0: Pop59 with Hannah Fairlight and her new album, Muscle and Skin. That's me. That's Hannah. Welcome back to Pop with Ken Mills. And today we have somebody who I really admire, respect, and love. I love your music. I love your art. Hannah Fairlight, welcome back to Pop.
1: Thank you so much, Ken. And likewise, I love your art and I love you as a person. I'm very happy to be here. Thanks for having me back.
0: You were part of something very special to me. You were part of our first actual live episode of POP.
1: Yes, I was. And I enjoyed that so much. That was a ball. I had a great time.
0: And we did it live at Down Nashville, John and Amy, or Amy Billings Place in Nashville. And it was a fantastic event. Mm-hmm. And I want to thank you for making a dream come true for me, because you were the artist that I wanted to do that with. And it, it worked out.
1: That is so cool. Um, well, thank you. Thank you for singling me out like that. And I was absolutely, it was my pleasure to take part in it. I was honored to be part of it. So thank you.
0: Today, we are going to talk about your brand new album, which is coming out on June 12th, 2020. And I have a little bio here that I've read about you, and I'm going to just steal from it. You ready? Go for it. Nashville-based artist Hannah Fairlight, whose latest album, Muscle and Skin, is set to be released on June 12, 2020. The album, which is the third studio release from Fairlight, was recorded and produced along with Austin Hoke and mixed by Grammy-nominated Brett Ryan Stewart. Hannah Fairlight grew up in rural Iowa, playing classical piano and saxophone from 8 years old and starting original songs at the age of 12. Inspired as a teen by role models that included Patti Smith and Tori Amos, she picked up guitar and cut her teeth performing in New York City at clubs like CBGB and The Bitter End. Hannah Fairlight has since lived and performed around the world, released two studio albums after moving to Nashville, Creatures of Habit, and Bright Future. And today, you're here to talk about muscle and skin. Yeah. this is a really exciting year for you one you have some things going on in your personal life and some things that are going on in your artistic life right you're giving birth to some things this year one a brand new cd album and one is a little human is on the way
1: yep i um i seem to have taken on uh some kind of a pattern here because my last album came out in the same year i had my first child so i thought why not have two babies again and then and when i put my next album out yep music baby and human baby this year yep
0: so if you ever put out a box set you could just call it uh, what family album
1: <laughs> <laughs>
0: <laughs> something like that
1: you know bright future um we rory was you know a very welcome surprise but um he he. we found out about him when we we just started recording bright future so that invigorated that album with a whole new energy it was very exciting and um so that got instilled in that work and now i kind of feel you know i feel similarly about this i mean we we planned um in advance to go ahead and give rory a sibling and this is probably going to be it for me for for children i think um you know, it's, it's been fine. And I'm, I I love, um, the, the miracle of what I get to do, but it's been a bit more of a challenging pregnancy. So, and you're, you know, we're, we, we, we have a lot, like, I I think we have that perception that if we're outnumbered, we might be in over our heads. So <laughs> if we just stick with two kids, we'll just see how that goes. And, uh, and maybe, maybe that'll be our family for now, but, um, you know, this, this album is a really vulnerable one for me and it's been kind of matching my pregnancy. Um, I'm sort of, you know, you get whittled down to your very core and you really have to look for where your strength is and, and show it and be brave and roll with adjustments and punches. And, um, that's what this last year has been. That's what this now our the pan- pandemic we're in has been. And, and, this pregnancy has been for me, so it's you know it's kind of a cool, adjacent album to be putting out during this time in my life.
0: Mm-hmm. And for people who share this episode, we're going to do something really cool. I'm going to give away three sets of your discography to our listeners who share this episode. We're going to pick three lucky people who share this episode, and I will get their, your entire discography for them from Bandcap, digitally, so that's cool.
1: Woo! Oh, that's rad. I love it.
0: So I'm I'm excited about that. And so today we're going to talk about what Muscle & Skin is about, how you came to this selection of songs, what this all means to you. And we're gonna go track by track and play a bit of each song, just so folks can get an idea of what Muscle and Skin is all about and why they should pick it up.
1: I love it. I love it. I'm excited to to dive into that.
0: So the title, Muscle and Skin, I know that there's a song about it, but why did you think this was good for the title of the album?
1: Well, um, to just kind of add some humor, originally I was going through uh, title names and thinking, you know, since this is a compilation of music, that's some of it's, uh, you know, I wrote the song ideas back in my New York days, you know, about more than a decade ago. So, and then some of the songs are as recent as the last, you know, couple months of recording. So um, it's like old and new, and it kind of spans the scope of my life in a sort of, just like a, an abbreviated kind of uh, abridged chronology uh-huh. and so I was going to name it <laughs> becoming because I'm becoming myself and I'm finding my sound and I'm finding my strength in some of this more vulnerable songwriting that I've been maybe more apprehensive about putting out before but of course Michelle Obama came out with her book this is like well before we started recording. I had this I, this idea for the album in in mind. And literally her book came out like a month later or right around that time. And I was like, are you kidding me? <laughs> but that was fine because, I mean, it, it was in the air, I guess. You know, this kind of idea of becoming. So I, I shelved that title. And this this title, Muscle and Skin, kind of fell down like a leaf drifting off of a tree. To me... The journey of me becoming me has been a lot like others I I know, especially in the arts, a journey of, of realizing inner strengths, harnessing inner strengths. And that's what I would call the muscle. And that can include, you know, intelligence, wit, uh, instincts, things like that in life and in the industry, and then harnessing the strengths on our outside you know, mm-hmm. what we look like, what we put ourselves out there as, what people perceive us as, and how we perceive our external shells. And when I was in the industry, you know, in my first couple years in my New York days, when I first started out, you know, I did I didn't know what I what I was doing or who I wanted to look like. It it, it sort of started to take shape. But after a while I felt like the uh my look And my hair color and, you know, how much makeup I had on or what I was wearing became such a precedent and more important to than what my art was and what my music was. And even though that that's fine, you know, that's part of being an artist. It's it's having a cool look and being maybe uh, larger than life. I mean, I understand that from my perspective as a an appreciator and lover of music and artists. I like to see somebody who's bedazzling and, and kind of larger than life in their persona and how they look. Mm -hmm. But I really wanted to, I wanted people to take me seriously and I wanted to hone the real art and craft of what I was doing. And um, so I, you know, I dyed my hair back Brown and I had producers and managers just like throwing their hands in the air like headless chickens you know what oh you gotta you gotta diet make it platinum again you're the platinum hannah you're supposed to be this you're supposed to be that you're supposed to look like this what are you doing now you just look like a i think people are calling me homely and like a like a a house mouse or i don't even know mousey. and i'm like well fuck you and then i want to just be me and i want to take away the look aspect of things and, and just have it be about the performance and about the storytelling and about, and about the the songs and the melodies and stuff. So, Mm -hmm. so the, the journey of muscle and skin, it's, you know, it's been this journey of, of how I use those inner strengths that I've developed over the years of, you know, crazy, countless adventures and wanderlust and gigging and, and downfalls in the industry and then, and then upswings in the industry and all of my, you know, just risk taking and stuff and how I've balanced, you know, the look with what's inside.
0: Mm -hmm. I know the first time that I read the title, it was in one of your press things that came out. And I, I always, you know, listening to your music, your words are so wonderful, and there's always a meaning behind everything you do. And I was thinking, well, muscle and skin is that muscle memory and the things that we feel, because that's really muscle and skin, right? You, you think about it when you get the sensation of a tickle or something, it's on your skin that, you, that it, you know, the bump rises, right? <laughs> so, yeah. So it's yeah. like the things you've learned, muscle memory, and the things that you feel, skin. So
1: that's a fantastic interpretation. I mean, there's a lot of layers to it, too, you know, beneath what I just said that mm-hmm. go along those lines. Um, I'm a very you ask anybody who knows me. I mean, you, you know it, too. I'm a very transparent, hard on my sleeve type of person. I'd like to mm-hmm. believe I'm not. I'd like to believe I've got a poker face, but I don't. I'm very um, emotive. And so in that aspect, you know, I do show my cards a lot on the surface, whatever I'm feeling inside comes to the surface. And some of the songs really deal with that directly, you know, like Money and Run and some of the songs that I chose to put on here. So yeah, for sure. Yeah.
0: Well, let's kick off our discussion of each track. And the first track is This Silence. And this track comes to us as not only a song but as the second video off the album you've put out two videos but this is the second one and you did the whole video by yourself correct for this silence
1: i did i um i had uh, other devices other plans but as per pretty much any video or artistic idea i've ever tackled you start with one idea and you wind up with a semblance of that idea but it usually takes on a different meaning and a different visual or whatever it is um so i uh i actually originally i did want to do this all running Mm -hmm. i had this idea in my head for this song you know after when we first uh cut the song it didn't have the drum track in it that was actually Austin Hoke's genius. And we both felt like it had this, it needed this adrenaline. It had this adrenaline that needed to be added to it. And um the thing that comes to mind that I was sort of trying to embrace with the video is, um there's a Radiohead video. I think it's actually Tom York. And it's it's called like Rabbit in Headlights, mm-hmm. something along those lines. And there's a guy running in a tunnel and it's a person and they get hit by cars. And I know it sounds really morose, but there's this, this kinetic energy in in, inside of just somebody running. You're wondering why you're wondering where they're going, what's happening. And so I wanted to do that. And I wanted to capture the vastness of, of what to me is Iowa, where I, you know, went through my formative years and I used to run actually, I used to run. I was an avid runner in high school. I would run like six, and six or eight miles a day, um, a little little intensely with the running. I loved it, and um, I you know, would run out in the countryside, and you could see for miles in any direction. And um, there was a really bleakness and vastness to that that, that I wanted to capture in the video, um, a sense of urgency to get back out into the middle of nowhere and embrace this, whatever you're, the, the person's trying to get back to. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, I, I shot it myself. I, I had to come down on some of my, my hopes and aspirations with it. Some things happen, you know, I got pregnant and I had been in Iowa in September of last year before I got pregnant. Um, but it was, you know, it was under sad circumstances. Uh, we I w- we were at a celebration of life for somebody who's very influential in my my youth and, and through my life. And so I was visiting and I had Rory with me and it just didn't lend to me shooting the video then. But I did get some beautiful landscapes as we were getting around. And I wound up shooting uh, northwest of Nashville, just near the Kentucky border. You know, Jeremy, I was pretty mysterious about it. Jeremy offered to film it for me, my husband, but he actually um, wound up, you know, obviously needing to stay with Rory. I mean, I thought if Rory was there, it probably wouldn't work out. The pandemic hit. We were stuck here all together. There was no place to, you know, drop Rory off. And um, I wound up thinking, you know what, I'm going to probably get the best product and be as weird as I need to be if I'm by myself. So I went ahead and did it the old school way where I, you know, just figured it out. I didn't have the the video cameras that I've had in the past where I can click a button and have a remote controlled, you know, way of filming myself or zooming in and stuff that I've had in the past, but I did it the whole DIY, you know, I used my tripod as a boom arm, tried to make some like crane jib type shots and, um, I got really dirty. I, I even, my feet were aching after this. It was hilarious. Um, I'm going to put out a behind the scenes video on it. Cause I kind of want to just give a window to it. But I, I was actually running on the gravel for a lot of it with bare feet and I'm pregnant. And like, I'm just not going to go into great detail, but it was really uncomfortable and I totally overestimated myself, <laughs> but you know, um, it. It still translated what I wanted to translate in the video and obviously I didn't put myself or my unborn child in danger, <laughs> but it was pretty it was a little crazy, but I like that you know I needed a little crazy in all of this quarantining that we've been going through, so I um enjoyed taking an afternoon and getting dirty and kind of cut up and bruised and just embracing the 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 craziness of that so. Yeah, I edited it myself, and it took me a lot shorter than I thought. I, I think I really, um, I've gotten better at shooting and knowing exactly what I want as the outcome. So there can be a lot of ed- uh, advantages to doing it all yourself if you know what your end product is. You know exactly what you want to shoot, and then you you already editing in your head, kind of, you know, as you go. So mm-hmm.
0: now lyrically, I'm, I want to read some of the lyrics to you. I'll come back some day this to you I promise. Till then no other way to break this silence. I'll meet you there between the peace and the violence. Till then no other way to break this silence. No other way. No other way. Lyrically what is this song about to you?
1: Um it came to me in the night. Um you know, I'll tell you the real story because I I there's no reason to really mask it. I had moved to Australia. I was engaged one other time before the, you know, being married to my husband now. And, uh, it was a long distance thing. It was with this wonderful Australian guy. Um, we had met in England and did this crazy dance between England, New York, and then Australia. And I moved out there. And we got there together and we kind of just looked at each other like, Hey, you, (laughs) you know, like, I don't know the, the, the relationship, had become rocky at that point And, um, and it ended, but we had an apartment together. We had like very little furniture there, but I remember one night, um, a friend had lent us some like wicker outdoor furniture and, uh, my, you know, I guess ex fiance at that point, I'm, I'm not sure if we'd already official broke officially broken up, but I had this longing. It was like this Carolina on my mind, moment for me. Like, um, like James Taylor had when he was over in England and was thinking about home where, you know, Sonny's sleeping on the couch. It's nighttime. I'm, I'm next to the ocean and in the Northern beaches of Sydney. And I just had this I'm uh, beckoning to the window. And I, the song kind of wrote itself where I had this feeling like, I gotta go, you know, I gotta, I gotta get back to something even if it's not necessarily iowa it was this feeling of getting back to myself yeah and and i did you know ultimately i I loved australia i stayed there for quite a bit longer but I, i had to come home and face me and face the fact that i wanted to keep working harder on music and so it was almost like a me telling my future to myself <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> kind of a song. Um, yeah. So it's a bit like that, you know, and, and, and in my mind it was Iowa. Like, I don't know what it was. It was just about this like place that I had spent so much time kind of trying to get out of and run away from, cause I felt trapped there. And then also having this weird nostalgic energy toward it and wanting to go back to it. So, so that's what that's about. And, and that you know, maybe someday, I will come back, but I was just, you know, I was uh, in this relationship where I felt stifled and I wasn't, I, I didn't have my voice. I wasn't really speaking my true self and I wasn't doing my music the way I wanted to. And um, so that, that's this silence that I was experiencing. You know, mm. I just wasn't able to express myself and that maybe someday between all the, that and all the, the fighting or unrest that was happening, maybe we would be able to meet in the middle. And it kind of loosely relates to other relationships in my life, too. You know, it's not just completely about that. but uh.
0: Right. Well, we can search the world all over for ourselves and never find ourselves, right? The journey really has to begin with you. And that's really what we're all looking for is our best version of ourselves. Right now, here is track one, The Silence.
2: I can live with, so excuse me, I've made my decision, you can fire me if you want to, I've got things to accomplish. If this is gonna happen, it's gotta happen right now. I'll seal your comfort with a kiss so I'm not missed, and I'll dream of our kids as I climb amidst the mist. And the only saving grace is the classic rock station on the
3: radio
0: And that was some of this silence, the first track off of Muscle and Skin. Now we move on to track two. Do what you said you wanted to. This is a fun one. <laughs> this uh, this is the first video from the album and the first single, and you are in uh, a naughty French maid outfit. Is that fair to say?
1: <laughs> it's totally fair. I yes, I am, and it was really fun to just juxtapose that with this bleak warehouse that we did it in. Um, yeah, it was, it was fun. I don't, I can't even exactly tell you Ken, how, you know, I, I acquired the French made outfit, um, through a friend and it just, it just hit me that I should use it. And I just never looked back. I was like, I got to do the video in this, this just makes perfect sense. So
0: <laughs>
3: that's
1: well, what plus
0: I you wear it well, like Rod Stewart said, right? So you wear it well and, uh, <laughs> it looks good on you. And uh, I'm sure that your husband enjoyed you having it around. So anyway, <laughs> all of that said, what is this song about? Cause it's, 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 it's bouncy and it's upbeat, but there's something else going on there too, right?
1: Yeah. This one was another one that wrote itself pretty quickly. So the sound of it came naturally and the, the sassiness of, of the lyric came really easily too. And it, it's sort of, about a character who thinks they're all that and a bag of chips and that that their their lover or their person can can you know is saying they want to take off well go take off go see if you can find somebody better than this cuz I am the bee's knees and the cat's pajamas baby so like you're not going to find anything better than this you're going to want to come back so go on you know you keep saying it go ahead and then the character uh, goes through a little bit of a change in the end where it, it flips and it's, and the character's kind of somewhat um, humbled or p- kind of pathetic looking at this point, like
0: a bit scared.
1: Uh, yeah. Are you coming back? Are you, are you going to come back Are I'd like you to come back actually? Like I was just being a little too cheeky before. Sorry about that. You know, and that, I feel like, maybe we've all been there. I've, I've been there. I mean, I've, I've thought I was bigger than I was and cooler than I was at times. And um, so I think it's, it's a little bit of an echo of that idea, just trying to uh, encapsulate that kind of a dynamic between two people and um, doing it in the warehouse and, and with like pretty limited makeup, but also like I wanted to show a part of myself that's uh, flirtatious and sexy, but also uh, feminine, you know, I don't necessarily wear dresses all the time and stuff. I wanted to kind of go out on a limb and do something a little um...
0: out of your comfort zone.
1: Yes, exactly. Exactly. Precisely. Uh, yeah. And dance, too. I mean, I don't really know how to dance. I mean, I have rhythm, but <laughs> I wanted to just kind of go crazy and see what happened
0: and it's this character that you're kind of playing allowed you to do all of that stuff and not feel weird about it right so
1: <laughs> absolutely yeah
0: here we are track to do what you said you wanted to do what you said you wanted to by Hannah Fairlight, the second track. This one musically is a bit different. It it's got, uh, almost an old Motown kind of a vibe or something that maybe even culture club might've done in the eighties. You know what I mean? When they were doing like throwbacks to like church of the poison mind and stuff like that.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I, you know, when Austin and I were going through the song list, um, I had so many songs, you know. I'd been just sitting on on all these songs and writing new songs for the last five years or so, and uh, I thought about saving this one for later. But something about it fit nicely with this this group, with the ideas that we've I've spoken to you about uh, the theme of the album, and this sort of coming of age thing, and so I, I did keep it. And I feel like it's a lighthearted, you know, this kind of old school lifter upper amongst some other sounds in the album and i love i mean i love i love a lot of motown i love like Smokey robinson the miracles and bands around that time period Uh so that part mixed with this sort of uh you know decade or so later the with the elo kind of feel and the jeff lynn that kind of just sounded right to me. And Austin's such a genius with the strings. We had to just go ham with the strings and make it, we almost made it like a futuristic old school sound. Like it's got new and old mixed together in it. Mm -hmm. So it was really fun, fun to do sonically and uh, the video and lyrically. So fun times.
0: Very good. Track three, shaking hands. What can you tell us about this one?
1: This is one of my oldest songs. Um, I say that kind of tongue-in-cheek because I've been writing songs for quite a long time, but uh, this is from my New York days. Um, It has been screaming to be put on an album for a long time, but I tell you, it's one of those songs that I was scared to put on an album because it seemed so touchy-feely, and I think I was uh, a little preoccupied with having a tougher persona and image in my earlier releases. And um, a lot of people have really always gravitated toward this song. And I have, too. You know, it's, it's another one that wrote itself. There's a few on here, quite a few of these songs kind of, when I say write themselves, I mean, I sit down, and front to back, the lyrics kind of flow out of me. And I don't have to do, uh, write a bunch of verses and whittle it down. I don't have to work very hard at it. It kind of all comes in one package. And that's how this one came. Um. I had just gotten my wisdom teeth out. I remember I was in my tiny, tiny apartment that I was sharing with someone. A room in a tiny apartment, um, and I had my huge keyboard that I had just bought and couldn't gig with because it was so big it wouldn't even fit in a cab. And I lived in a walk up, so I couldn't even get it up and down the stairs. So it was there, and I, you know, I actually wrote um, at least one of the other songs on this album on the keyboard at that time that same time so it must have been a very creative time for me and um, I got to include the saxophone which I love and uh, it's a song about a relationship ending and uh, trying to find yourself as you walk away from that you know somebody who knows every move you've made knows your heart somebody that you can tell all of your wildness and your adventures too, and and they can have that inside joke or that story with you, then you don't feel like you have anybody to tell that anymore. And, um, you know, in the song, I'm I'm talking about things like living a public life. You know, I had people who were anywhere from venue owners to managers and producers kind of in my ear constantly, like, you know, you're not supposed to fall in love. You're not supposed to do this. You're not supposed to do that. You're supposed to just work and focus and do your music and um, and not do get off the path. You know, and I was the queen of getting off the path. <laughs> but I also was coming to terms with the fact that if I wanted to really push music hard, I would be living more in um, in a in a bit of a spotlight that people would be looking at me and that included my personal life and who I might be seeing and that included various other parts of me so the public life thing and my partner at the time not being down with that you know she she was really not into me uh staying out late and gigging period so this song was about me sort of making a break with that relationships for the sake of me continuing to do my art and and growing up the way that I wanted to you know it's just hard to have to leave love behind in uh in the wake of that so it's a very meaningful song for me and i'm glad it finally lives on an album now and has a home and my dad's happy because it's like his favorite one of his very favorite songs that i play so he's relieved i finally put it out (laughs) or almost put it out
0: (sighs) well what's your dad's name
1: john schluter
0: Well, here's John Schluter's favorite song, Shaking Hands. was for your dad yeah, little uh, shout out to your father and uh, you did a media party and uh, we were invited, Christina and myself, and we, we were invited to come and be part of it and your dad was there. It was so cool seeing your dad be part of the media party for the new album
1: he' he's really uh, an avid fan, and he's also just a, an extremely enthusiastic music fan. And knows knows so much about music. Um, he claims that he, you know, he's maybe he's downsized his record collection and this and that over the years. But man, when I was growing up, I was just surrounded by vinyl records and and songwriters and um, any and bands, you know. But I loved how excited he was about it, and so I got to learn through the window of that excitement. And I got to learn about bands that nobody knew, you know, my friends didn't know about. And I got to be that girl that everybody, you know, I was super young, but I'd be having conversations with older people and they'd be like, oh, you're too young to know that band. It's like, okay, try me, like, try me. Cause I probably know that band or I do know that band. So it was kind of cool to like have that edge. My dad gave me that. So he probably, uh, yeah, he gave me a lot of my tools for writing music. So I'm appreciative appreciative.
0: Fantastic. Very good. Next, we move on to track four, Let the Rain Pour. What is this song about?
1: Really, it's about, you know, I think I take on this theme in different songs. Um, it's a repeated theme, but it's about letting your your true emotion show, not trying to cover it up. The chorus kind of says it all for me. It's, it's about not... Letting that when I say the sun burns out the best of us, Mm -hmm. I mean that too much brightness, too much fame, too much stardom can ruin something that's great, or you know, through history, it has been too much for for so many to to handle,
3: Mm -hmm.
1: and um, so instead of the being it being about the fame it's more it's supposed to be about the love it's supposed to be about everything that 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 is underneath that artistry or that person so I I think it was my way of saying like that's my goal I want I want I want to find real love I want to I want to go for the real thing and and not go for it this for the wrong reasons or something like that so so you're gonna have to take me as a full package I'm not gonna be clean and shiny and happy all the time I'm gonna I'm going to be dirty and, and angry and cry sometimes because I'm a human. So,
0: Reading from the lyrics, it says, No need to fret if freedom ain't free. It ain't hard to lose sight of what you want to be. And I'll let you know. Let the rain pour out of my chest. Because the sun burns out the best of us. Let the soul lose the need to impress. Find real love. And... I was speaking to someone last night about how creative types, artists, musicians, writers, whatever, there are people that just seem to be more on the surface. We were talking about muscle and skin being muscle memory and something you feel, right? hmm There are people who tend to be more creative or more open. They tend to feel things more, right? And it's easy to, to lose that and try to numb it, and I think that you see a lot of artists who wind up in this thing where they're trying to numb their feelings and things like that, and to me, this is almost a cry to like say, "Let me feel what I need to feel." yeah, let me be what I need to be so
1: totally you you've said it better than me. Um, I had a lot of people around me telling me that I had to be a certain way. And I, and I found it astonishing because I'm a very rebellious person as it is, but I was, I I rebelled every single time because I felt exactly what you just said that I, I just let me be me. Let me, let me grow. Let me learn. I'm not, I'm not supposed to be 22 and inside of a box and, um, this is my life forever. I'm supposed to look this way and act this way and, and not live and not be. So yeah, that's where it came from for sure.
0: Let's listen to Let the Rain Pour.
2: No need to worry about this pain in my chest. I'd as soon be found by the ocean side. No need to worry about this weight in my shoes it's the-
0: Next we move on to Track 5, Walk Away. One come from and what do you like about this one
1: well this one um again you know it pretty much wrote itself i was it's so strange you know i was thinking about a lot of people in my life my sister my mom um and and others who have gone through trials and tribulations and um and you know in some cases have been able to um you know, come out on the other side and grow and learn. And in some cases not. And um, some people just get stuck. And then there's this sort of like getting stuck almost permanently for the rest of your life where you, you, you can't break out of it anymore. You get stuck in this sort of place where you're blaming other people for your problems and um, you you wind up kind of cutting everybody else off in your life in a way because you can't you sort of don't take on any new information and and you know i don't know it's um it's about that and it's it's a really bittersweet song for me lyrically because i do think about certain people in my life and it's um you know you can't live like that i don't believe that that you should live like that but i do feel like people who live in that kind of a paradigm you know, I can relate to that. I've suffered from depression. I've had my own battles and tribulations to, to, uh, get over and you have to fight harder. And as I get older, I realize you know, uh, it can be hard to, uh, create change. Um, as you get older, it almost becomes harder to change habits and patterns and, um, Walk away is you know, I, I kind of the choruses change in the first one it's it's you should walk away from mm-hmm. these things that are holding you back. And in the second one is you wanna walk away from all the things that are good. And why would you do that? Because right. you have so many things that are good that you've learned. So it's it's got kind of that double edged sword in it.
0: Well, towards the end of the song it says this and I really like this because to me it's like an appeal to oneself. You know what I mean? That uh, you need to find yourself in in everything that's around you. You need to find yourself. You need to find out who you are. Lyrically, it says, Life is but a roller coaster. Hold on tight until it's over. Just let it go and give in to the wind. Paint it what you want to see. The colors will come naturally. And all you ever needed lies within.
1: Yeah. The paint it what you want to see, too, is is really... You know, I hate to be, I hate to be preachy too in songs. Like I'm kind of talking to myself as well. Like,
0: well, that's really all great art is. Like you, even you know, as an artist, you can be a painter, but you're really painting yourself. You know what I'm saying?
1: I almost, I totally know what you're saying. I almost called the song "Masters of Reality," which I felt like was really nerdy and like,
0: like that's a Black Sabbath totally <laughs> type sound. You know?
1: Yeah. Um, yeah. So I didn't call it that, but it, but I do, you know, that line kind of also stands out to me. It's like, we are the masters of our own reality. And Mm -hmm. I, you know, it's, it's hard. Like you meet people that are stuck inside of their own paradigm and they won't let any other ideas in. And I don't know, you know, it can be hard to maintain relationships with people like that. Um, I try really, really hard to always analyze myself and be, and stay humble and um, consider that, you know, I really might not know anything about what I'm saying or doing and that there's always more that I can learn and always more that I can improve on and um, and others that I can learn from, you know. So, yeah, it's a it's a bittersweet song. I love the way that the melody turned out. It inadvertently became this, you know, like some people have pointed to John Lennon. I think of David Bowie a little bit in it there's just this this pretty sound to it that it just kind of rolled off me and i went with it i was with mitch malloy actually when i originally came up with the melody and he's a um was he's credited as a Mm co-writer i think he did i think he did help me with uh, a few parts in it um but i honestly it was this weird thing i wasn't there for a songwriting session i was just They're checking out his studio and we were kind of just getting to know each other. He's a producer and he was um, one of the people he was tapped earlier in his career to be the lead singer for Van Halen for a little while. Mm -hmm. So he's like he's a singer producer. He lived here in Nashville for a while. And I was just at a studio hanging out and he was showing me his guitars and I picked up the guitar and I started to write the song. <laughs> so somehow that's, sometimes that's how it happens. I was obviously thinking about what I was just telling you about. So
0: You know, if I was a world famous musician, I would probably go broke just from buying guitars because I believe that not every guitar has it, but I believe that some guitars have songs in them. Have you ever noticed that? Like you just will pick up a guitar and it just something comes to you.
1: Absolutely. Oh yeah. I've had every kind of, I've had pianos like that. I've had amps like that. So weird. I had this guild, um, maverick amp. It's in my attic now. Cause it's, it's God, it's poor thing. is just suffering. It's a little bit old and doesn't work great anymore, but I wrote restless heart on that, like in an instant. Cause I got this sound on the amp that was just cutting, you know? And, um, I feel that. Yeah, absolutely. Whatever. I think it was a a Framus guitar. I can't remember what it was. Um, He has, Mitch has this massive collection of, of a type of guitar that they copy other types of guitars. Mm -hmm. And it's, I can't remember if it's a, it might be like a Japanese company. I feel terrible. I can't remember, but it was exactly that Ken. It was like picked up the guitar and I was off and running with it. So It is what it is. Mm
0: -hmm. (laughs) Well, our next track is track six, Too Late to Wonder. Let's play some of that now.
2: Couldn't find each other. Should have asked you from the get-go if we had each other's name.
0: What does Too Late to Wonder mean to you Hannah?
1: Too Late to Wonder is a story about something almost happening and then not happening and then thinking back on it after time has passed and that being like a lost opportunity. I was in England when I wrote this one I lived in in London for a year and I it's gonna sound so dorky but also relatable you know I was I was online I was and I saw this something popped up about a past almost relationship. And I'll just go ahead and tell you that story. Um, this guy was from another school near my school, um, small town in Iowa. I had a rough time in high school. I didn't really relate really closely to a lot of my classmates and the arts were kind of minimal. They weren't given a lot of, um, support it was more about sports and stuff so I was feeling pretty frustrated and um, this other school was really into their arts program and they had this like super slamming theater program and this guy starred in um, one of their plays they did West Side Story and a group of us girls you know I was of driving age I guess at this point we went to see the show. And we were all like, I mean, I was blown away. I'm like, Oh my God, guys exist that I think art is cool. And musical theater is cool. And they're good at it. And I found it so sexy and like, super exciting. And um, one of the guys in the play I met and, you know, we had a little bit of a courtship. He came over and you know, my house was always a weird hang place. I wasn't really officially allowed to date. hmm. So it was awkward in the first place. And then we had, like, you know, we had a ping pong table in our dining room. We had lots of instruments everywhere. We had murals painted all over our walls. And we weren't, we were expected to do like, we like were expected to sit and paint together or play music together in our house. Like that's how, you know, play dates (laughs) and friend hangs would go. So it wasn't a very typical teenage hang. And sometimes I was embarrassed about that, but I felt like this guy would be okay with it. And and he was, and we had this strong attraction and I thought I'd maybe met my first love and we were supposed to go to prom together. And he wound up like he made a date with another girl and went with another girl and told me like the day before and broke my heart. And so that was, it was just like so stupid. And then I went on an exchange program and he was in the same program, but to a different country. And so I had to see him again and go through the heartache all over again. And it was just, I don't know. I mean, just that feeling kind of lasted forever. And so I wrote about it, you know, like it, he popped up and I I just thought it was a, a really relatable thing for anybody. You know, we all have, we all have that.
0: Mm-hmm. I think that we all have someone in our life that it was supposed to work out but for whatever reason, it didn't. And that's what this song seems to me to be about. That Not the one that got away, but the one that never really took off.
1: Exactly. Yep. <laughs> yep. And I'm probably, you know, I'm probably lucky for that. I don't know.
0: Right. Our next track is Do You Ever Think of Me? Let's play some of that right now. this song
1: you know another one that just came to me really easily the lyric took a little longer to nuance the chorus came immediately i was actually the the melody came to me after i was listening to a roy orbison album Mm -hmm. um a really weird one that people probably don't know that maybe a lot of people know about it i don't know it's like one of the disco ones where he's wearing a leather (laughs) jacket and and his sunglasses and yeah it's just a really dorky kind of look but i loved the songs on it so much like i love all of his songs and um one of the songs on there really hit me and inspired the melody for do you ever think of me i started writing it with evan stanley paul stanley's son when he was hanging in nashville for a little while and then I wound up changing it all the way back to like where I had sort of <laughs> like he didn't mind at all. But I like kind of ditched what we did because we started writing it and making it about a prostitute. And I didn't like actually I don't know. I just wanted it to be about what it was, which is about reckoning back to an old relationship and me still thinking about it, but not knowing if the other person actually ever thinks about it anymore. Or it maybe it wasn't as impactful for them as it was for me. Mm so. hmm. Uh-huh.
0: Well, when I first heard this, I thought that this should become Facebook's theme of anytime you look up an old classmate. You know Oh I mean? yeah. <laughs> <laughs> perfect. You know, you see if they still have hair, you see if they still you know, <laughs> they have a job oh, and yeah. do they think about you and stuff like that.
1: Yeah. So, oh man, I should market it that way. That'd be uh, there perfect.
0: There you go. There you
1: go.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Our next song is Drinking at 3. It was weird because you actually sent me the lyrics handwritten and some of these lyrics are upside down and you did that on purpose and I thought it was really cool. (laughs) What's this song about? This is like your, uh, screw it. I'm going to drink song. So
1: pretty much. Yeah. Um, I wanted to include it. You know, I loved, I've always loved the melody and I tried to, uh, do a co-write one time with a great writer. And I wound up again, you know, this is this is my album of me doing what I wanted to do. And so I changed it back. I didn't like the pop direction that we kind of took with it. And I wanted it to really be even though it's not like a normal progression to a song. Uh I wanted it to be like it was when it originally just fell out of me. And it's yeah, it's a dark, just like uncomfortable, you know, three in the afternoon just going to hit the bottle and feel and really roll in feeling sad and stepping out of the main, whatever, mainstream of socialization and work and whatever, and having people kind of, you know, maybe, maybe even reaching out, wondering where you've been. And, you know, um, that hopeless feeling too, like, oh, I feel silly for thinking that, this would have turned out better or that like I say in some of the upside down lyrics you know I should have known there wouldn't be any white horses like that for me that's just like saying like you know like a knight riding in on a white horse or something like something magical happening and how foolish of me to think that that my story would end up that way and so yeah it's just like diving into my deep dark hole (laughs) and I wanted I wanted to be able to put that on you know like it's kind of, you got to go there. And, and I think that it's relatable too. And, um, I've had my ups and downs with, um, substances over the past few years, mostly, you know, just like alcohol and, and it getting a little too crazy or getting too carried away with it and me toning it down. And, um, yeah, you know, I wanted to involve, involve that part of my struggle as part of the album. So I went ahead and Kept that one on there, too. Gave it a home.
0: Very good. Up next, track nine, Bells. feels like an appeal to stay together and we can get through this what's this song about to you
1: this was it was like a cheerleading song to myself Mm. i was weeping when i wrote it i maybe i'll even dig up the original demo you can probably hear like the crying in my voice but i oh wow was very weepy and i um it was one of those beautiful moments where I I literally didn't know where to turn or what to do, and I picked up my guitar. And even in those moments, even though I know music usually heals me and makes me feel better, sometimes it's still really hard to go sit at a piano or pick up a guitar because you feel so low, you don't even want to, like, give yourself that privilege or something. Or-
3: mm-hmm
1: can barely get yourself there, but I put the guitar in my hands and it, it wrote itself. And it's, it's about a long distance relationship that I was, you know, determined to, uh, at least think into positivity and make happen. And you know what? And I, and I, and I mean it, you know, we'll be fine. Like regardless of the outcome of outcome, I felt like we would be fine. And regardless of all the nitty gritty details of the relationship, these reasons, these instinctual reasons, I feel like a child, the innocence of it. That's why I think that no matter what happens, we'll be fine. We're going to be fine. So it was me soothing myself really was.
0: Why do you call it Bells?
1: I went on a six week cycling trip with this person and he and I were cycling around. We had like the panniers and our camping equipment and everything on our bikes and our back mm-hmm. and we left from london and went all the way um, to the west part of london and then we went up to bristol and then across wales and then we took a ferry and then we cycled all the way around the outside of ireland so it was this huge completely insane trip because of course <laughs> it was like what i'm an expert at just biting off a huge amount and um We we did it. It was amazing. But we had bells on our bikes. And whenever we would get a little too far apart, or if it was storming, which by the way, it stormed like five out of those six weeks, we were drenched. So like the bells were really our only way of keeping in communication some of the time. Hmm. And so yeah, it's about that. It's about keeping in communication with each other.
0: So it, since this song is like a cheerleader to yourself, it's the bells are you letting you know that you're okay?
1: Yeah, pretty much. Yeah, wow. like I'm still here and wow. it's okay.
0: Yeah. Fantastic. Up next is one of my favorite songs. Uh, this song means so much to me. This song is on a previous release of yours, and I also heard you do this song live, and this song has come to mean so much to me. This track is track 10, money and run Uh, to me this song is something that i've felt i've been in this situation and uh, when you're in a relationship and you're trying to see how it's supposed to wind down how do you how do you make that happen how does that transition work how do we treat each other while this is happening how do we how do we live these uncomfortable moments right Mm -hmm. mm-hmm mm-hmm And uh, the lyrics to this just really speak to me, and I love the the moodiness of it and the instrumentation of it as well. What are your thoughts on this one? This is something you must feel very strong about because it's something you play often live, and this is something that you've had on a previous album. And here we are, a second attempt at it. Yeah, I I wanted to
1: give it... I just didn't want to let it go. Like something when we were recording this album kept, it kept coming up for me and um, we were recording in a, a space called Alex the Great. And there's a bunch of pianos there. And there's this, this beautiful Steinway grand piano that we record a lot of the stuff on. And I felt like money and run deserved a real acoustic piano and it deserved this space to let the piano really be the main part of the song where it started for me. And so stripping it all the way back like that was really important to me. I love the version that I recorded with Michael Wagner. I think it sounds fucking badass and Mm -hmm. larger than life. And um, so I kind of wanted to just give it the opposite, let it breathe and, and be this kind of quiet with these huge string hits, um, kind of song. And I, you know, this, this one, it relates to, uh, a few different relationships in my life and it, and not even romantic, but they were mostly having to do with, you know, the music industry, um, and having these certain people around me pushing me to be this kind of, um, impervious, impermeable plastic, um, impenetrable (laughs) version of myself. Um, I was, you know, this blonde haired little puff of hair fairy that, you know, I would like just always cut up and have all the jokes always, you know, um, be fun and and entertaining to whatever company I was thrown into. And I I mean, at the time I was just an interesting company. There were a lot of people hanging around. I hung around the bitter end all the time. That was my home base and people like Joss Stone and John Mayer and um, uh, Gavin DeGraw and and Joey DeGraw his brother and like all these Vanessa Carlton and her parents and like people were just kind of hanging around. And I would, you know, I would go to dinner with them sometimes or I'd be find myself hanging out up in the office of the bitter end. And this expectation that was built up around me that I was supposed to be on and, and not be upset. And some of the people in my life, when I would waver and feel upset and go to them and say, you know, they're the people that were there for me when I was doing great. But now I'm not feeling so great. And they would just ghost me or be confused or awkward with me. And I, I just couldn't believe that. Like, wait, so, so for real, right? Like you feel bad sometimes too. I mean, why, what are you trying to do? It seemed like they were trying to train me to be uh, a robot or something so that I could handle the industry. And, 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 and I thought at the time I was like, if this is what it means to be a badass and be successful in the industry, well, I'm out because I'm, I can't do this. This is crazy. So that's what the song's about.
0: Is it okay if we play this whole song?
1: Oh yeah, heck yeah! It's your show.
0: Okay. Well, <laughs> I try to be respectful of the artist because we want to sell the product. Right? We want to bring people into your storefront. We want people to go out and seek this. But uh, a treat for you, the whole song of "Money and Run" by Hannah Fairlight. Some of the lyrics that I absolutely love from this are, uh, Don't you fret, because I know what I'm supposed to do. But are you my ally, or am I just a fool? Keep your wits about you, child, the ice is always thin. Ain't no room for innocence, where only bad girls win. And where, where can I turn, if I can't show my sad faces to you? Just take it easy while I toughen up. Take it easy while I break down. Make it easy while we settle up. Please don't take all the money and run. Just, I've been there. I've been there. And uh, it really touches me. So thank you for letting us play that entire track. Up next is the title track Muscle and Skin.
1: is the song that finished itself last I was still like waiting for the right lyrics to fall in from the from the ether into my hands and into my voice on this song so we had cut the music parts i think before I even cut the the correct vocal if i remember correctly and I was just writing and writing and writing I have so it's one of those ones that like the idea, the concept came to me really easily. But the the song didn't all just come together. It developed throughout a lot of the recording time, which was months and months. And I have this whole notebook and it, I probably look like a complete, you know, like Jack Nicholson in The Shining <laughs> character like just writing all these weird constantly like writing lyrics all over this one notebook about this this one song it just keeps coming up and i keep scribbling away and so post-it notes
0: and stuffing things in there and making sure you don't lose a one fragment of it right
1: exactly and then going back and looking at it and being like i don't even know if i like any of this what's wrong with me like where is the song when is it gonna come and then finally it um it came together and I feel like I really like how it came together and it encapsulates what I was trying to say. So yeah, it's just a song about humanity. It's like, don't, you know, it's a, it's a sad song, but it's also like, don't take yourself so seriously. I mean, we are just specks on this planet in the middle of a solar system. That's in the middle of a galaxy. That's, you know, there's billions of galaxies. Like we are nothing. So all of our, you know, attempts at fame and success and arguments about money and saving money and our mortgages and all of our systems of living. I mean, to me, sometimes I'm just like, this is a joke. (laughs) It's like, we're going to die really soon. Like, why, why, why do we trick ourselves into thinking all this stuff is so important? So it's kind of like about that.
0: Well, I, I, think, I think we all want to live forever, right? And I, I, I honestly think that humans feel that they're not going to die. I think that most people really think, well, that'll happen to other people. It's not going to happen to me, right? And then you take a look at things like, I don't care if you're a social influencer or a pop star or a politician. All of the attention that a person can get, and rather easily in many ways, is not normal right? Like when you were growing up in Iowa, you were destined for great things, but it's still unusual to have people know your name everywhere you go or, you know, people clamoring to want to get a piece of you, right? It's just kind of bizarre and there's good and there's bad to both sides of those things, right?
1: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Good.
0: And sometimes your art can take you to different places and stuff like that. But I really think that that's like I said, this is this is almost uh, an appeal to remember who you are, right?
1: Totally. You know, i I had to accept when I wrote this song that I did it the long way. i I did not. I did not. Um, you know, shirk. I didn't. I didn't do it the the Lady Gaga way or the. Um, I don't even know who else I can think. I mean, Lady Gaga was really coming up right around after the time or around the time I was like at the bitter end too you know she had been kind of playing there right before me and she went to NYU too I went there she quit I I finished (laughs) nobody not not knocking anybody I mean I respect that she went for it but she she really like stayed the path and I had all these people around me like bullying me and telling me like look at her look at Stephanie Germanotti like she's she's doing it right. And you're not doing it right. You keep falling in love and you keep traveling and you keep doing all these things that are well off the path. What's wrong with cycling around Europe? Like, what the hell are you doing? Hannah, um, you know, in walk away, I talk about you're rocking around like a boat out on the ocean. You know, I met with a producer when I was living in Australia who, uh, reprimanded me for the same thing. He's like, you're, he literally said that to me. He said, you're like a boat like a, just a little boat out on the water, out on the ocean. And so I stuck it in that lyric. Cause I was like, fuck you, man. But yeah, it's true. It's like, you know, I needed to live. I needed to do it this way. I I could have lined up. I should have lined up, but I needed to live and then write about it. You know, I couldn't figure out what I was going to write. If I was just in a studio already famous already, like what the fuck am I going to write about? I had to go live and find out about myself and have experiences to, to make the music and grow up, you know, so fuck it. I did it this way. I'm it's fine.
0: Understandable. Very good. Our next track is a very special one and it's this is very special for many reasons. This is Mother Moon and you're going to hear a different voice on this as well. Let's listen to Mother Moon.
3: I'm going to listen to her song, and the talking comes under.
2: for another day till the breaking of the dawn Mother moon and father sky Baby's growing time is flying by If you smile Sing this lullaby. No, I don't want to.
0: This is a beautiful song that is written from parents to a child. And I think this is a song that anybody who's got a child or wants a child that they can identify with this. How did this come about? How did this track come about?
1: Um, I had Rory and I had my first baby and we brought him home. And I mean, I think I wrote it within a week after he was born. It just kind of came to me. And I I thought of a lot of songs that were similar, but like lullaby kind of songs, but this one was the one that I sang to him like pretty much every day. Anytime he was fussy and I needed a go-to song, I made this the song. And so I think it's probably a melody that he will recognize for the rest of his life and that he has been hearing since he was just super tiny and you know it it was my way of just telling him that everything would be okay even when dad and I aren't there anymore you know and that he would be able to take care of himself and also encapsulating that moment you know like everybody says time stands still but it's real it's like we had the baby and I was just like Nothing else matters in the world right now. And everything literally felt like it did stand still. There's nothing else going on. Nothing was more important than me holding that baby and then, you know, feeding him and just like, wow, you know, I have this this brand new life in my hands. And it's scary, but I'm going to do the best I can and use this, you know, little song to soothe me and soothe him as as we grow. So. I went ahead and put it on the album cause I just wanted to document that for him and for me and, and put his little voice on there. <laughs> I'm so happy he did that with me.
0: Yeah. It's fantastic. It's uh, it's, it's very heartwarming and uh, it's a beautiful melody as well. Love it. Thank you. And now we close out the album with track 13 opposite ways. Uh-huh. I swear. tell us about opposite ways
1: this one i wasn't intending originally to put this on the album um it snuck in real late in the game austin and i um were conceptualizing and making our lists and getting started in may of last year so like a year ago now and this one snuck its way in right around late October, early November. Um, so right at the when we were kind of just putting finishing touches and overdubs on stuff. Um, I God, it just it was an it was an awfully hard year. Um, I didn't expect it to be such a hard year. Uh, 2019 started for me pretty pretty strong and filled with promise and. There just a lot of things happened between, you know, with Jerry and I, like and and people around us. there were there were a lot of of deaths of people really close to us, um, a lot of hardship, relationships ending that were important, um, just huge challenges to surmount. And we couldn't have expected any of that. And so, as I was embarking on this new journey, like I'm finally making, a solo record again, and I'm back to my own music, and I'm so excited for that, um, I'm ready for that. But also then all of this sorrow and pain was naturally instilled in it throughout the year, um, even delayed it from time to time, which was obviously totally fine, like life needed to happen. But I, I needed to include this song, I woke up when I was in this really challenging period in October that I might I might share about this like a little more in detail later in some form in a blog or a memoir or something but i went through a really hard time and dealt with something that i was harder than anything i've ever dealt with and i woke up one of those days with this song already in my head it was like it was in my dreams and i hadn't thought about it in years i wrote it when i was in australia and it just came up all of a sudden and it and it was it was so weird ken it was like i'd written this happens sometimes i write a song earlier in my life than I have any of the life experience yet necessarily to go with it and then it's like I had seen the future and then this this time arrives where that song takes on a much deeper meaning and it's like oh well this this is the moment for this song like this is what it was waiting for it was just really premature because I didn't live it this stuff yet Well, I lived all the stuff and then the song just came to the surface like out of nowhere. So I had to I went to Austin and I was like, again, like a crazed, (laughs) maybe not quite Jack Nicholson, but like just like we have to put this must put this on the album like Rain Man just like had to do it. So I had just broken my middle finger, which is stupid. It was like an accident amidst all the pain and, and grief that I was experiencing. I just accidentally went down my son's play slide his little toy slide wrong and jammed my finger into the ground and I like broke my finger and then I like wanted to do this song and so I had to do it within I could really only squeeze out like three takes because I really couldn't play guitar at the time Mm -hmm. but I did it you know I just jangled it out and pushed it out and pushed through the pain and I felt like the pain is part of the song so that was the way that it should have sounded
0: isn't it always (laughs) though
1: yeah, exactly. You know, if you can capture that.
0: Anytime you create something, there's that thing where you want to you want to make sure that it's just right. And then there's, do you ever get this thing like when you're ready to release something, you almost don't want to let it go?
1: Absolutely. God, when I did my, um, the listening party, I like cried beforehand because I was like, not even that I was sad to let it go, but I was also like, is this, is this like worth anything or is this just stuff I should just be singing to myself? Like, what am I doing? Is it, is any is this matter? Like, like that whole, you know, thing I just told you about the universe and everything being so small and short, like, does this matter? But then I was like, ugh, I had to bully myself back into place. <laughs> like, well, it matters for now. Like, let you know, I've got to just go ahead with it. But I felt like that that day. <laughs>
0: uh-huh. Well, I hope that we turn some people on to you today. I truly appreciate you as an artist, and I, I hope you know that I'm just not doing another podcast here. This is isn't just another episode to me. Like I said at the beginning, you made a dream come true for me when you did your performance at wind down Nashville and in front of a live crowd, we did our first live episode and that was just amazing. And I will never forgive you. I mean, I will never forget you for that. (laughs) 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 All kidding aside, I seriously appreciate you as an artist and as a person and uh, thank you for your kindness with me.
1: Thank you, Ken. Thank you. And I feel 100% likewise. Thank you for taking the time with me today to go through that with such a fine coo- combed, fine toothed comb. Fine combed tooth works too. What, whatever <laughs>
0: works, right? I, I wanted to do one of those old fashioned classic album kind of thing where they for people who don't remember radio since it's kind of a thing of the past now there used to be these great shows that you would hear on fm radio billy squire would come out with a new album and he'd come and talk about each track that doesn't happen anymore and so here's a little bit of a blast from the past this kind of show that you can only get here so i want to thank you for being part of this episode of pop with ken mills today and I want you to tell people where they can find you and get your stuff and all the social links and all that. Remember, this is muscle and skin. Get this wherever music is sold, bought, downloaded, and purchased, right? So.
1: <laughs> yep, yep. Everything you just said. So currently, you can pre-order it um, by the time June 12th rolls around. It'll be on all digital platforms the best place to pre-order is iTunes, Amazon, and Spotify. And and if you pre-save on Spotify, um, I'd love it if you did that because your email will actually go into my, like, email, um, you know, contacts list. And then I can – that's really meaningful to me because then I can sort of put eyes on who you are and learn more about you and be connected with you so that I can get you anything from cool gifts to free downloads to – you know, announcements about stuff that's coming up and that, that, that means a lot to me. So mm-hmm. those are the places. and add Hannah Fairlight on most platforms at Hannah Fairlight music on Facebook and com is my website. So please stay in touch.
0: Fantastic. Once again, I want to thank you for being on pop with Ken Mills today and I want to thank anybody who's listening to this show for the first time. Thank you for checking us out. And if you've not checked out Hannah Fairlight, I cannot encourage you enough to check her out find her on youtube wherever she can be found hannah fairlight thank you for being on the show today
1: thank you ken take care everybody thanks a lot
0: say see you hannah
1: see you hannah
0: (laughs) there you go it's something stupid (laughs) i do love you
1: love you too and that's our show pop is an online non-profit pop culture audio fanzine made for fans by fans Any samples of music, TV, or movies heard here remain the property of their owners. POP, a pop culture podcast, is not affiliated with any products we review or discuss. Opinions heard here belong to the people who express them and may not reflect the views of the POP staff. If you like something that you heard, buy it at your local record, video, or bookstores or wherever POP is found. If you enjoy the show, like us on Facebook and rate us on iTunes. Thanks for listening, and until next time, I'm your announcer, Christine Wolf, saying whatever you do, make sure it pops. Say goodnight, Dick.